I had uh, I had come prepared to go one direction, but as I was in worship this morning, God just began to plant upon my heart a, a completely different thought. And so I have to believe that there is somebody that's here today that needs a special word from the Lord that's different than what I had prepared. And I'm going to ask that you would turn, if you would, to the Gospel of John. And over these next few moments, I would like to focus our attention on a passage of Scripture in John chapter 11, verse 32. John 11:32 The scripture declares When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him she fell at his feet and said, "Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died." Father God, I pray today that in these next few moments that you would just allow me to have a oneness with your mind and your spirit so that I can present your word. Father, I feel directed this morning to this passage and honestly, God, I don't know what you want to do, but I do know that when we follow in obedience to your spirit that your work can be done. I pray today if there is anybody here that is battling with doubt, that is battling with issues, of wondering where you were in their life, that you would begin to help them right now, begin to focus on the fact that your ways are higher than theirs, that you see things they do not see, and that you may be doing something in their life that may be different than what they had expected. But, Father God, I pray today that we may act in faith and so that we can see the glory of God. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Within this chapter is one of the more fascinating stories of the Bible. For those of you that may have grown up in the church or are familiar with this passage, you know that Jesus had been sent word that his friend Lazarus was sick and he was with his disciples and the disciples told him what was going on. And the Bible specifically tells us early in chapter 11 that Jesus delayed going. He knew about the need, but he delayed in going. And I'm certain that this was for the disciples rather confusing because they had seen him act with such immediacy in so many different aspects of life and people's needs that for him to sit there and receive the word of a dear friend that was in need and not do something about it immediately was something that seemed out of character for them. And so we now understand that in the meantime, Lazarus, who was sick, died. Not only did he die, but... His family began a grieving process and actually went through a funeral. Lazarus was now buried. Several days had gone by. And then Jesus, for some reason, then felt released to go to the place where his friend was. And the Bible tells us that during this time, Mary and Martha, the sisters of Jesus, were battling with some issues that probably are very familiar to issues that you and I have battled with at times. Why does Jesus do the things he, do, he does? And why is His timing not always the timing that we are wanting Him to deal with? I probably, like you, have experienced times in my life where the timing of God in answering prayer or the timing of God in dealing with some of the issues of my life completely confused me because it just didn't seem to make any sense why God did something in my life the way He did. Have any of you ever experienced confusion in the timing of God? Good, then maybe this message is for all of us this morning. 
But the Bible tells us as we get to this particular point that now the girls are, are going through this grieving process. They're dealing with the confusion of why Jesus didn't show up, why he didn't do things the way he wanted, they wanted him to do. And the Bible says now that as he is coming, it says as Jesus begins to approach the place where they lived, that when Mary reached the place where she saw him, or people said, Jesus is coming, even though he was late, Mary rushes out to where he was. And the first thing she does when she sees Jesus is says that she falls down at his feet. And she begins probably with tearful words, with great emotion, with tremendous grief pouring out of her. She fell at his feet and she said, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. One of the things that I want you to notice about that verse is the place where she fell. I think it's important for each of us to recognize that in moments of confusion within our life, in moments of times when we don't understand what's going on, that the place that we should always fall should be at the feet of Jesus. It's one thing that when we are in confusion, it's one thing that when we don't know what's going on, sitting back and trying to question God or saying, you know, Lord, because you haven't done things the way I wanted or because this is unusual, then I am turning away from you and I'm going to go my own way because you have so disappointed me. But Mary in her grief ran to Jesus and even though she had a great question, she still fell down at his feet recognizing he was the only place that she could find the answers. I want you to know that whatever hurts you are carrying with you today, you can fall down at the feet of Jesus and you can lay out your questions to the Lord as to what's going on in my life and why things are happening the way they are. And Jesus will respond to you. And then she asks this question or she makes this statement, Lord, if you would have been here, <coughs> my brother would not have died. In other words, this is all your fault I'm going through grief and I'm going through heartache and I'm hurting right now. My sister and I are confused and it's all because you didn't show up the way we thought you would. I'm glad that within this passage of Scripture, <clears throat> excuse me, that it allows a, gl a glimpse into the reality of life that we live because that's exactly the kind of question that we would ask Jesus if we were confused about why He did things the way He did. And the Bible tells us in verse 33 that when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and he was troubled. And for those of you that may have a red letter edition in your Bible and are kind of following along with me in this chapter, verse 34 says that the first words that he says to her is, where have they laid him? Where have you laid him? In other words... <clears throat> As she falls at the feet of Jesus with her question of, Lord, I don't understand, the first thing he says to her is, take me to your hurt. Take me to the place where you're wounded. Take me to the place where it hurts the worst. Take me to your confusion. Take me to your questions. Take me to the very place that you're hurting the worst. I love that about Jesus. That there's nothing going on in your life or in my life or the hurts that we may be carrying that Jesus will turn his back on or be afraid of. His words to her was, show me where it hurts. And Jesus' words to you this morning, as you're going through this moment of time, is He'll say, take me to that place in your life where you hurt the worst and show me where it is so that I can begin to do my work there. He's not afraid of your hurts. 
And she said, come and see, Lord. And then in verse 35 comes the verse that we have probably all memorized because it was a short one. It says, Jesus wept. The reason I say that is because my mom and dad, when I was younger, used to give me a dollar for every verse that I would memorize. <laughs> you already know where I'm going with this. I'm not a stupid kid. And so whenever I needed some money, I would say, I got a verse. Jesus wept. Surrounding the ladies at this time was a group of friends and probably family members and acquaintances that were around her. It just simply says that there were Jews that were surrounding the girls at this time. And as Jesus is standing there at the place where Lazarus had been buried, at the place that was the herd of the girls, as he's standing there, the Jews that were around the girls begin to look at him and they begin to say some things. Thank you so much. And in verse 36, it says, Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. In other words, they recognized in Jesus' demeanor that there was a great love for Lazarus. And then it says, But some of them, but some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? I want you to know that there will always be a circle of people around you. Some of them will support you, and some of them are going to question you as to your relationship with Christ. I have stated this to young people for years. Be very, very careful who you allow into the value circle of your friendships. And this isn't just a young person thing. This is an everybody thing. There will always be people around you that are going to question your faith and are going to try to draw you away from a faith in Jesus Christ. And there were Jews that were sitting back, and you can almost see them standing off to the side during this account. And they're seeing Jesus weeping there, and they're going, What's wrong with this guy? Why is he crying? Why is he acting like this matters? Because if he'd have been here on time, none of this would have happened. Isn't this the man that has the power that he can handle all of these things and can heal the sick and let the blind see? And isn't this the guy that had the power to keep all of this heartache that they're going through from happening? So they're beginning to second-guess the ways of Jesus. And so be very careful of those that within your life that you allow into your value circle. And the value circle, friends, are simply this. This is the way I describe it. Your value circle, friends, what they think of you matters. There are some people that have opinions about you that it doesn't matter what they think because they're just, you know, they're not in your value circle. But your closest friends, what they think of you really matters to you. And that's the difference between acquaintances and a value circle friend. And so there were those that were second-guessing God's way. And we get to verse 38, and it says, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. And it was described as a cave with a stone that was laid across the entrance. And so he is standing there as they have brought him to the place of their wounding, the place of their heartache. This is the place that I'm hurting, Lord. This is the place of my, I, I don't understand what you're doing. This is it, Lord. This is the hurt within my life. This is the confusing thing about my life. It's right here, Lord. Why did my brother die? And as he stands there, and he looks at this cave, verse 39 are some of the most startling words ever recorded within Scripture. Because Jesus stands there, and he looks at the girls, and he said, roll away the stone. 
Now, I've thought about this passage, and let me just kind of cloak this in something that would be more contemporary for us. Some of you have gone through times where you have stood at graveyards. Some of you have been there with loved ones. Some of us have been at graveyards with our parents. Some of you with grandparents. But we drive by these places, and they're neatly manicured, and there's flowers, and they're always beautiful, but it's always known as a place of death. And Jesus is standing in this garden. This is a place of death. The girls are weeping. They're crying because Jesus wasn't there on time. And He stands there and He looks at them and He says, Roll away the stone, which today would be the equivalent of Jesus standing there with us at a grave and and He says, Dig them up. I, I need you to go to the car and get the shovels and I want you to dig up the body. We would We would look at Jesus and say, You are out of your mind. And I'm certain that the people that were standing around during this particular instance are are looking at Jesus with the same kind of startled look that we would if we were standing in a graveyard and He told us, I need you to dig up your loved one for me. And the people are going, what's wrong with this guy? That He would... Not only are they in the middle of grief, but that He would do this to them. And then there's Martha that I just love because... She, in the reality, it says, But Lord, Martha said, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor because he's been dead four days. I love that line. How many of you have ever had a dead mouse in your house that you couldn't find? You want to know why you knew there was something dead in your house? It stunk. Had one get caught in the fan motor of a refrigerator once. Could not reach it. Death stinks. Now, I know we wouldn't recognize it today, but by next Sunday it's going to be 90 degrees and all those animals that are laying dead in the road near your house, you're going to smell. Because death stinks. And Martha, and why her mind goes here, I don't know, because maybe she's just human like the rest of us. They're looking at Jesus going, okay, Lord, I just want you to know something. We roll that stone away. Don't know if you know this or not as creator of everything, but decay really smells. And when we roll this away, people are going to gag. It's bad enough we're crying, now we're going to gag. You see, Martha was thinking in this terms of reality, like, Lord, you're too late. It's too late. You could have done something four days ago, you didn't. It's too late. Satan wants you to think in your life that because Jesus didn't do something the way that you thought him thought he should, that it's too late, that he can't do anything. But there came this moment when Jesus wanted them to realize that nothing is ever too late in the timeline of God as it relates to your life. And in verse 40 is a verse that I would like you to underline in your Bibles if you haven't already. Because Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Did I not tell you that if you believed, you'd see the glory of God? In other words, you've got in your mind that everything has happened for a reason, that I was too late, that nothing can happen. Satan has already whispered in your ear, he's he's dead, it's too late, I'm going to roll away the stone, he stinks, there's decay there, nothing can be done. But I want you to know that if you believe, you'll see the glory of God. That's a key verse for each of you today who are struggling with the idea that God didn't come through in the right time for you. And now you're sitting back thinking, okay, Lord, you're too late, nothing's going to happen, it can't be done. And he's saying, if you believe, you will see the glory. 
If you believe, you'll see the glory. I've told you earlier, our theme verse for the year has to do that without faith, it is impossible to please the Lord. That there's a level of faith to our life that must be demonstrated on a daily basis, that it comes across as simple obedience to the commands of God, even when they don't make any sense to you. And Jesus looked at those girls and said, If you believe, you will see the glory of the Lord. And I am quite certain that at this moment of time, the girls went to the side and had a little discussion. It may not have been recorded in that, but as they're sitting there talking, they're going, you know what? He was late. Lazarus died. He's wanting us to roll the stone away. Sis, what do you think? She's going, well, I don't understand why he's late. He could have changed everything, but you know, maybe he wants to say goodbye. Maybe he can handle the smell. Maybe he just wants to walk in and, and put his hands on Lazarus and say, hey, my friend, I'm sorry I didn't get to go to the viewing that everybody else was at. You know, I don't know what he's up to here, but can we trust him? That was the question. Can we trust Jesus even when he's asking us to do something that makes no sense to us? Even when he's asking us in this moment of grief that we would have to dig up a body that we've already started a grieving process. Can we trust him? And that's the question we still have to deal with today. Can we trust God even when he asks us to do things that don't make any sense? In verse 41, it says, So they took away the stone. Now, I want you to know something. These two girls did not take away the stone. They may have made the decision. But in that, they had other people that were there to help them move that stone away. And one of the things that that I like about this passage, that I believe that really affects us where we are today, is this. You'll notice that nowhere in that did the girls ever say to Jesus, Jesus, will you tell us what you're going to do first? And then we'll decide whether or not we want to obey. They could have said when he said, roll away the stone, they could have said, Lord, what what are you going to do? Are you going to bring him to life? If so, can you just bring him to life and let him knock on the back door of the stone? We'll know he's alive. We roll away the stone. You get the glory. We're all shouting hallelujah. We've risked nothing. You look great. And isn't that the way it is sometimes with us when God begins to move us in a direction we don't understand? We say, Lord, what are you going to do here? If you'll just let me know ahead of time what you're going to do, I'll exercise my faith. Other people will see your glory. You do something great. We all look good in this. But that's not the way Jesus did it. He said, you're going to have to believe and you're going to have to act on faith even when you don't know what I'm going to do. Even when you don't know how I'm going to respond to this. They didn't know if Jesus was going to raise Lazarus from the dead or if Jesus was just going to go in and say, yep, I saw his body, roll the stone back, let's finish our funeral service. But whatever conversation they had, those two girls decided that they were going to roll away the stone. And I can almost imagine in that scene, remember you're surrounded now by people that some of them are sitting there doubting Jesus, they're mocking Him, they're making fun of Him. Some of the close friends are sitting there with Him and the stone is rolled away. And I can tell you in that moment of time that there was not a sound going on in that graveyard. Everybody, was, their attention was focused on Jesus and what was about to happen there. And without a sound, the stone is rolled away. The odor begins to come from the tomb. People are backing up. The people that rolled away the stone probably are looking at the sisters going, you guys are crazy in all of this. And Jesus stands there in front of that. And when everything was quiet around him, the Scripture says Jesus raised his voice and said, Father, 
I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here. In other words, I'm speaking out loud because I want these people around us, those who are their friends and their value circle and those who are the doubters. I want them all to hear this. Lord, I'm saying it for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And I've looked at that and I thought, of course he said in a loud voice. If you're yelling at somebody who's dead, you're not going to whisper. You're going to yell. Because you don't think they can hear you. And so with this loud voice, he yells, Lazarus, come forth. And when I get to heaven, I want to see this on heaven's Blu-ray DVD. What this looked like from the tomb side. Because Lazarus' body had been prepared for burial. He had been wrapped up. It was a, How did he get off the slab? He can't bend his knees. Did angels go in there and lift him up? I just want to see this. How did he get to the front of the tomb? Verse 44 says, The dead man came out. The dead man came out. His hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen, cloth around his face. Now, I know there are all kind of TV shows about ghosts going on, but I want you to know something. I can guarantee you that when he got to the front of the tomb and he's all wrapped up, the sisters did not run up and hug him. In fact, I guarantee you even the close friends were backing up. This was a startling moment. Jesus may have been the only one that was still standing near the tomb when Lazarus, the dead man, came walking out of that tomb all wrapped up. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. I'm thinking about this time the lady said, you raised him from the dead, you take off his grave clothes. You think, I don't know what's going on there. What's he going to look like in there? You raised him, you undress him. And everybody that's standing around in this quietness is stunned by what takes place. Ultimately, we know that the grave clothes were taken off and that Lazarus was alive because we know a chapter later they're trying to kill him again because of the message of Jesus Christ that was going around. And in this passage, there came one point of time in this, in this account, where obedience didn't make sense, but it would determine whether or not a miracle would take place. Before Jesus would speak the words that would bring life to a dead, decaying man, something had to be done. They had to roll away the stone. If the girls had decided at that point in time, you're too late, nothing can be done, we are not rolling away the stone, we are working our way through this grief, we're trying to deal with our new reality, and Lord, we're not going to do this, then Lazarus would have stayed dead. Nothing would have happened. But in that moment, they had to decide, is trusting God worth it, even when things didn't work out the way we thought? Does that not sound like our life? where there are moments of time 
when we've got to trust God, and He said, if you will believe, you'll see the glory, even when it doesn't make sense to what we are doing. And as we look at this passage of Scripture, I want you to recognize today that the greatest defeat that Satan experienced here was not when Lazarus came out of the tomb alive. The greatest defeat was when two sisters decided to obey when it didn't make sense and roll away. Because that opened the door. That their faith allowed God to do something. And when they rolled away the stone, they did it expecting something. They believed that Jesus was going to do something as a result of their obedience. And some of you here today, Satan has been whispering in your ear, it's too late, it's too late, your chance passed, it's over. Nothing can be done. And Jesus wants you to know today that if you believe, you'll see His glory. Satan wants you to think it's too late for our nation, that it's too late for our youth, that it's too late for this generation, that it's too late for you, that it's too late for your family, that it's too late for your children, it's too late for your grandkids. I want you to know it's never too late when Jesus is involved. Because I want you to know that we still serve the one who speaks life into death chambers. Jesus still stands at those tombs of your life and there are some of you today that have stones that have been rolled over different aspects of your heart and you didn't want to roll them away because of what stands behind it. You're worried that it stinks. You're worried that it's not attractive. You're worried that God won't love you anymore if you reveal this and all He wants to do is have you roll away the stone so that He can speak life into that which has been death and shame for you. The whole account turned on the obedience of some sisters to roll away a stone that didn't make sense. This morning, as I conclude this, I want you to ask yourself the question, what stones do you have rolled over your heart today? Maybe you have a stone of apathy. Maybe you get up on Sunday mornings and You struggle for reasons to come to church other than, man, if I don't go, then God's going to be mad at me. And you've lost the joy of the Lord and you're just going through the motions and and you're finding that it's easier to find other things to do than it is to come and be in the presence of the Lord. And you're just, there's this apathetic stone that's begun to roll over your heart. And today you begin to recognize the call of God to say, roll away the stone of apathy and let me speak life into your heart again. For some of you, it may be a stone of unbelief that you've been dealing with. You're just having a hard time coming to grips with the fact that a graceful God could love you and your sin to the point where He will pay a price for you that you didn't deserve. And you're just struggling with the idea that a graceful God can love me. Give me something to do to earn it, God. And He goes, you can't earn it. All you can do is receive it. And you're struggling with the unbelief that there's nothing you can do except receive. Maybe today you're struggling because you have a stone of unforgiveness that's been rolled over a portion of your life. Maybe there's some things that people have said to you or done to you, and as a result of that, you're trying to live out this Christian walk, but you know that you've got a whole area of your life that's covered by a stone, and there's unforgiveness back there, and you're going, but God understands, because if you'd only known what they did to me, if you only knew what they said about me, if you only know how they ripped me off or how they stole from me, then then you would understand, God, that this is my stone, and I'm not going to let you into that because I like carrying this unforgiveness But what you do not understand is that in the unforgiveness, you're being robbed of the glory of God. 
God cannot fully allow the grace of His mercy to be extended to you unless you roll that stone away and let that unforgiveness go. Because unforgiveness is a poison you drink hoping it's going to kill somebody else. And it's battled in your heart and it's battled in your mind and you battle it in your conscience and you're wondering, what am I going to do? And today the Lord says, says to you, if you want to see my glory, then roll away the stone of unforgiveness. Let me speak life into that death chamber. I want you to know something today. God didn't ask you to raise him to life. He just asked you to roll away the stone. He says, I'll do the miracle. I just need you to do the faith part. He needs you to remove the barriers so that he can do his work. Worship team, would you please come? I don't know why... I don't know why God directed me to this passage of Scripture this morning. But I have to believe that somewhere in this room this morning, there's somebody who's struggling with barriers that you've rolled over your heart. Barriers that says, God, I'm not letting you in. The wound is too deep, the hurt is too bad. You've disappointed me in the past with your timing. God is saying, but if you only knew the plans I have for you, I have plans to prosper you. But it takes a moment of time when you say, will you simply roll away the stones that are covering areas of your life and your heart that you're not letting me in so that I can speak into those chambers and bring life out of those that have been death for you for so long. I'm going to ask that you would stand with me, please. I'm going to ask that you would bow your heads and just close your eyes for a moment because this requires a response. And I'm not going to go from section to section. I just want you today, with nobody looking around, Pastor, God is speaking to me right now because I have some stones that have rolled over areas of my heart that today I feel Him saying, if you will just roll those away, you'll see my glory. If you have stones to the over parts of your heart, would you just raise your hands? Yes, 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 all across this heart. Put your hands down. I will ask this, if there are any of you here today and you have never responded to the gospel message of Jesus Christ, if you've never responded and let Him forgive you of your sins and ask Him to come into your life and to be your Savior and Lord, and today you're walking around with the weight of guilt of your life and of your actions upon your shoulder, and today you want to know the joy of having Him come and lift that from your shoulder so that you can breathe deeply of redeemed air. I would like to know Him in a brand new way today. As your Savior, if you'd like to receive Jesus, I'm going to ask that you would simply just raise your hand. I'm going to say, I agree with you, and then you can put it back down. Yes, ma'am, I agree with you. Are there others this morning? Today's the day you're ready to, to breathe the air of the redeemed. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would begin now to speak to our hearts. Mary and Martha were in a time of deep grief. He told them, take me to where it hurts. 
Today you're asking each of us, Lord God, individually to take you to the place of our deepest wounds within our soul. You're not afraid of those places. We don't want anybody else to go there, but you ask to go to them because you know that if we will believe, we'll see the glory of God in those places of hurt, in the places of unforgiveness, in the places of apathy. Places that we don't want anybody to see because we're so ashamed of them. You say, if you'll roll away the stone, I will breathe life into that place. And what comes out of it will be different than what went in. But it requires faith on our parts to roll away the stone and give you access. Lord, I pray that from the hands that were raised across this congregation this morning, that this is exactly the word you want to preach tried to hold you out and you said bring me to those today so Lord lead us and guide us I pray